So you Joshua, Judges, Ruth, and now when you first Samuel. So we're just introducing it this morning and just getting into it a little bit. So let's see how we get on. So first and second Samuel form one book in the Hebrew Bible, just as the two books of Kings are also called the book of Kings in the Hebrew Bible. Although first and second Samuel bear his name, Samuel did not write all the contents of the book. As the death of the great prophet of God is recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 25. As mentioned in earlier studies, Samuel had established a school of prophets and he evidently finished in transcribing 1 and 2 Samuel until the inspiration, sorry, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. 2 Peter 1.21, raise your hand for 2 Peter 1.21. Okay, indeed you get that, Mary, you get 2 Timothy 3.16. So, First and Second Samuel were transcribed under the inspiration of the, of the Holy Spirit, even though Samuel, bearing the name on these books, didn't write all the content. First, sorry, Second Peter one twenty one first. For the prophecy came not in old times by the will of man, for holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was involved in this. Second Timothy three sixteen. Okay, so all scriptures give by inspiration of God. God breathed, okay? Inspiration, God breathed. Greek for God breathed. So the books of Samuel contain not just the history of the prophet Samuel and his influence of Israel or over Israel, but they contain the history of the two kings that Samuel anointed. Who were those two kings that Samuel anointed? Saul, Saul and David, Dahi, the Irish. Okay, 1 Chronicles 29, 29 notes that Samuel, along with Nathan and Gad, recorded the acts of King David. Evidence in the writing suggests that the books of 1 and 2 Samuel were compiled by someone from the prophetic school who used documents from Samuel, Nathan, and Gad, as one commentator stated. This was again sacredly performed under the inspiration of the Spirit. Samuel literally means name of God, but sounds like heard of God. How prophetic his name turned out to be, because after he answered the call of God, he spent his life here being heard by God, such that the Lord was with him, and that none of his words fall to the ground. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 19. After the nation of Israel was rescued from slavery in Egypt and made a covenant with God at Mount Sinai, they eventually came into the promised land. There, Israel was supposed to be faithful to God and obey the covenant commandments. But the book of Judges shows how Israel failed. Judges 21 25, there was no king in Israel, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. Correct. It was a time of moral chaos that showed their need for wise, faithful leaders. The book of Samuel, the books of Samuel, provide an answer to that need, as one, another commentator stated. Over the last several weeks, we studied the book of Ruth, a breath of fresh air when compared to the national state of Israel. Today we will now delve into 1 Samuel as we see the history of Israel continuing to unfold. I'll give you a very basic outline of the books of 1 Samuel. Chapters 1 to 7, the rise and leadership of Samuel. Chapter 8 to 15, the rise and leadership of Saul. And chapter 16 to 31, the rise and leadership of David, so rise leadership of Samuel, then Saul, then David. Okay, that's a basic outline of 1 Samuel. And let me um, go to the Lord of Prayer 
and then we'll delve into it. How about that? Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. I pray you minister your word to your people. Please be with those who are on their way. Give them safe to stay travel. Lord, we need you this morning. We need your help. We need your grace. We need your spirit. We just need you. So God, please help us today. And I pray, Lord, you focus us in on you. May we have just a wonderful time. Lord, would you just let the peace of God rest upon us. Let the joy of Christ fill us as we make ourselves ready for serving Christ uh, over the Christmas period. As we, as we just delve into the word for uh, to, just to understand it better, to grow in Christ. Please, minister great grace to us this morning. And uh, may your spirit work in such a way that those who come unsaved leave changed. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Okay, so the first section of, the, we're in the first section of uh, 1 Samuel. And uh, it's the rise of leadership of Samuel, over seven chapters. So we're going to first look at the birth of Samuel this morning. Now, let's read verse 1 down to verse 20. And um, so I'm going to ask you to raise your hand because I don't want to embarrass anyone who doesn't want to read. So we need 20 verses read. So let's, let's, let's divide them up into groups of five. Who wants to read the first five books? The first five books. That'd be good. The first five verses. Okay, brother Karen, the first five verses. Who wants to read verse 6 to verse 10? Verse 6 to verse 10. Ivy, verse 11 to verse 15. Jolomy, and then verse 16 to 20. Verse 16 to 20. He wants to read verse 16 to 20, Mary. Okay. So, verse 1 to 5, please. First Samuel 1. Now there was a certain man of, from Ramathaim Zophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, Jeroham, the son of Eliud, the son of Tolu, the son of Zuth, and Ephraimite. And he had two wives, the name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of the city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. The Lord had shut up her womb. Verse 6. And her adversary also provoked her sore, but she made for herself because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, but she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Altanel, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? And want I that it should be with ten sons? So Hannah rose up. And and she bowed herself and said, O Lord of of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but wilt give unto will give them unto the Lord all the days of his life, and then there shall Thou wrapped her king upon his head. And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord, as Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought 
she has been chosen and Ella said to her, how long wilt thou be chosen? Put away thy wife from thee. And Hannah answered and said, Hello, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Verse 16. Count down thine handmaids for the daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my compliment and complaint and grief I have spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the Lord of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let not thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord, and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come about, after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son, and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. Okay, so we've looked at the first 20 verses of 1 Samuel chapter 1. So now let's break it down. The first six verses talk about Hannah's home life. How would you describe Hannah's home life? Difficult. Difficult. That's the word I would use. She was in competition with another woman. Peninnah means precious stone. So Peninnah was this wonderful wife that Alkanah had, but Hannah means favored. So he had a precious stone, but he also had another wife called favored, if you like. And this unwanted difficulty in Hannah's life created a great deal of heartache for her, okay? She couldn't choose her circumstances. Did you ever notice that? You can choose your attitude, but you can't choose your circumstances. You can't choose how things are gonna work out. You can't choose how people are gonna respond. You can't choose how your day is gonna be. You can't choose what trials are gonna come your way. You can't choose what's gonna break down or what's gonna keep on working. There's nothing you can do, but you can choose how you respond. Now let's take a look at Hannah's circumstances. This is the first, what's the first thing we see from verse two, that Hannah's trial, if we wanna see all this, her inner difficult life, what was the first trial we see in verse two? She didn't have any children. Okay, she was childless, <coughs> no children. Verse two tells us that her, uh, Hannah had no children, and she had a husband though, who loved her deeply, look at verse five, but unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had showed up her womb. Verse 8. Then said Alcana, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? Why eatest thou not? Why is her heart grieved? For am I not better to thee than ten sons? I mean, look at what you have here. <laughs> look, it's, it's, it's Mr. Superhero. You know, look, look I, I love you, Hannah. What's wrong with it? Am I not good enough for you? You didn't marry me for children. You married me for me. You know, you can imagine all the things that he might have been saying. But that didn't go down so well with Hannah. And she was deeply distressed, the Bible tells us. Deeply dissatisfied because she had no children. And she had a competitor who just rubbed it in her face. Look at verse 6. And her adversary also provoked her sore. Her adversary was who? Peninnah. the precious stone. The precious stone was her adversary. Let me ask you the question this morning. Why do you think Peninnah rubbed this in her face? Jealous. Jealous. Now, why would Peninnah be jealous? She's happy. She has her own children. 
So Hannah was favoured but had no children, and Peninnah had children but she had no, she didn't have the same favour. And I suppose in one sense both of them were jealous of each other. Nobody has it all right. You may be the fastest, but you're not the strongest. You may be the strongest, but you're not the prettiest. You may be the prettiest, but you're not the smartest. Nobody has it all together. Nobody has all the attributes. There's only one person in the universe who has all the attributes. Who is that? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. That's good. Isn't it? So we, we get, if you like, if I put this, we, we get the short end of the stick because we're fallen, frail human beings. And I think the sooner we realize how frail we are, the better it will be for us. Would you agree with that? You know, Hannah really had a hard time accepting her circumstances. And, but what made it more difficult is that Hannah, I don't think, used her favor against Peninnah. But Peninnah definitely used her blessing against Hannah. That was difficult. That was difficult. So Hannah's home was very difficult. Now... What did Hannah do? What was Hannah's response to her difficult circumstances? Did she go to Peninnah and says, come on, let's take you to the back. You know, I'll take you on, you know? Or did she say, you know, you know, oh yeah? You, you know, you may have the children, but I, I'm the beautiful one around here. I'm the one, did, did she go on like that? How did she respond, brethren? Prayed. She prayed. She turned to the Lord. She took her situation to the Lord. Now, how did she turn to the Lord? How did she do that? What, what do we see? By praying. Okay, she prayed. As it says here in 7, and so every year, and as she did so every year, by the year, she went up to the house of the Lord. Yeah, so every year, she went to the house of the Lord, she got as close to God as she possibly could, and she poured out her complaint on the Lord, didn't she? Okay? Now, she endured, think about this, Okay, for, before I even talk about that, how might Hannah have responded instead of turning to the Lord? How might she have done? There's competition going on. She could have been constantly fighting and she could have been bitter. Bitterness? Yeah, she could have got bitter. Something else? She could have walked away. She could have walked away. Yeah, I, I, I'm done with this, you know? How else? Yeah, and that's what she did do. She did enjoy it. She did, but what could she have done instead? She could have just said, oh, this is my last night. And she sort of did that a little bit, but a little bit. But the thing I want you to understand this morning is, if she hadn't responded the wrong way, would she have made it worse or would she have made it better? Worse. You know, brethren, sometimes when we have trials going on in our lives, when we have interpersonal conflict, when we have challenges we can't uh, overcome, when we have uh, circumstances we cannot control, we respond the wrong way. Now, when we respond the wrong way, we, can, we make things worse, not better. We end up getting into cat fights or dog fights with people when the people aren't the problem. This is how we respond to the circumstances is the problem. Would you agree with that? And you see, Hannah could have made things worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. It was bad enough. But she needed to walk away from Peninnah. 
She needs to get away from conflict because the issue, her issue was not with Penina. Who was her issue with? I, I want you to think about this. Who was her, her issue was not with Penina. Who was her issue with and why? Her issue was with God. Her issue was with God. God had closed up her womb. She really, 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 really wanted a baby. She really, really wanted this. I have to have this. I must have this. It overwhelmed her. It, it consumed her thoughts. And her, Penina, it wasn't Penina's fault that she was childless. It evidently wasn't Elkanah's fault that she was childless. It wasn't Hannah's fault that she was childless. If she could make a baby appear in her womb, she would have done it. But she had no power. She had no control over her circumstances. God is sovereign. And brethren, I don't mean to this to be disrespectful. But I need, this, I need to say this to you, understand this. When sometimes there are circumstances that only God can control, and when we're in circumstances that only God can control, we need to place the blame where it belongs. Now, I mean this most respectfully because I'm going to explain it now in a minute. We need to put it where it belongs. It belongs with the Lord. Now, we don't accuse God because who are we to, to, to who are that to replies, that, that replies against God? It says in Romans chapter 11. We don't have the right to get in God's face. But we have every right to wrestle with God when our circumstances are overwhelming and we need an answer. Give me somebody in the Bible who wrestled with God through very, very difficult circumstances. Jacob. Jacob. Jonah. Oh, Job. Yeah, Jacob and Job. Yeah. But I'm thinking of Jacob right now. Jacob wrestled and wrestled. And brethren, let me say this to you. Sometimes God puts us into circumstances that are overwhelming for us. He sometimes puts us between a rock and a hard place. He sometimes puts us to, into a, a test that we can't do anything about so that we have to come out, not fighting, but faithing, if I can put it that way. We need to come back out, with, with, not with a fight, but with faith and say, God, I need an answer. I need you to see me through this. Hannah had no choice. Look at verse 7. What do we see in verse 7? It was mentioned already, but what do we see in verse 7? Okay. What was, she, what was going on in verse 7? On year by year. This yeah, right. So what went on year by year? The provoking, the teasing, the the, the arrogance of Penina, whatever. Now, now think about this. Let's think about the circumstances here. What did Hannah do every single year? What did she do? She went to sacrifice in Jerusalem. Let me ask you a question. Do you think she absolutely dreaded that trip? Because I'm guessing, I could be wrong, but I'm guessing, like, when people have polygamy going on, they have a wife in, the, in different houses. Okay, wife, number one, this is your house. Imagine Solomon, a thousand houses. You know, wife number one, wife number two. I mean, he probably went, went by numbers. He lost count of the names. Now, I'm being a bit sarcastic here because it was absolutely ridiculous for him to have a thousand wives. I think we all understand this. Or 300 wives, 700 concubines, same difference. But the point is... I'm guessing that, that, that Elkanah had a, a house for Peninnah and a house for Hannah and they walked on different sides of the road. I'm, I'm guessing they didn't have a ton of interaction during the day because they stayed away from each other. Would you agree with that? Would you say they, they got on or they didn't get on? Yeah. 
So they just avoided each other. And they hated family reunions. And every year they had a family reunion when they made their pilgrimage up to Jerusalem. And Hannah probably dreaded it. Would you imagine? I'd imagine so. Okay. As they did, as he did so year by year, when, he, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. And, she, and here's, here's your opportunity. Oh, there she is. There's Hannah. What are, you gonna, what are you making an offering for? I mean, you can imagine the stuff that went on. It's terrible. Terrible. And we asked the question, you've answered it already, how did she respond to this provocation? Okay, she took it to the Lord. And what were the words used in verse 7? Fasted and wept. She fasted and wept. Brethren, very often, when we get provoked, we come out fighting. Do you understand what I'm saying? Wrong response. When we're provoked and we come up fighting, 100% of the time, it will end up worse rather than better. You know, you, you see these sitcoms, I used to watch the sitcoms years ago and I, I have no interest anymore. I haven't watched them in 20 years and I'm, I'm, I'm missing nothing from them. But you see these sitcoms and they get in an argument. Yeah, arr, arr, arr. Oh yeah, you're right. That's not real life. That never happens, does it? When you start arguing and somebody else starts arguing, what happens? What happens? The fight. It's only going to end in a fight. It's not going to end in anything else. And, and why does it end up in a fight? Help me here. Why does it end up in a fight? Because what? Nobody's listening, number one. Why else does it end up in a fight? Because of the response. Because of the response. And the, the original problem is forgotten. And they're not even thinking about what the original problem was. And sometimes the original problem is something really silly. You used my hairbrush. Oh yeah? Well, at least I have hair. <laughs> you know, or whatever. I don't know what ends up happening in a, Did I say something? Because I see your response here. Maybe I'm saying something that happens. I don't know. I'm only making this up. But the point is this. Fights end up over silly things, but it, the issue is they start fighting and scrapping and saying all sorts of horrible things against each other. And the original issue is completely forgotten. It's more the attitude with each other. You with me here? Hannah did not do that. She wept. She fasted. Would you say that was a good response? Yeah. Now let's talk about her husband for a second. Elkanah says, Why weepest thou, Hannah? Why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Verse 8. Am not I better to thee than ten sons? What do you think? Do you think that's like that's a really good response by a, a smart husband? No. no. <laughs> I wish we had more men in the room. I won't embarrass those who are here. But uh, you know, I, I, I think men think it was a good response. <laughs> I drink. <laughs> That's a man's response. The man's response. Men are from Mars and women are from Venus. We are from two different planets. The greatest uh, divide in, among humankind is not among ethnic groups. It's among uh, it's it, 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 it's among the sexes, gender groups. Okay. And by the way, there's only two genders, just in case anybody's wondering. But anyway, I probably shouldn't even have to say that. But anyway, there's only among the two genders that there that the scrap that happens is because or the conflict that happens is because male don't, males don't understand understand females and females don't understand males because they're coming from two different planets. And so a man will say. He'll make the statement, you know, um, 
I, I might not better you than 10 husbands, or 10, 10 sons, I mean. You know, uh, I mean, all I do for you, you don't have to get out and get a job. I provide for you. I come home, I give you a kiss, I, I have time for you. You know, um, I, I, I help with the dishes. I even do the ironing. You know, and he could go on and on and on about what a great husband he is. And women are like, I don't care. And he's like, what? You are getting into my masculinity now. Why don't you care? I mean, you couldn't do better than me. <laughs> you know, that's what Elkan is basically saying. And she's like, but you're not listening to me. Do you ever notice? That men struggle to listen to women and women struggle to listen to men now sometimes men struggle to listen to women because they have this wonderful ability to turn something that should be in two sentences into a whole book of communication and you're trying to follow her along and she doesn't even end with 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 with, with, a, with, 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 with the beginning of the plot so you're like you're trying to follow the whole story you get completely lost and men have this wonderful ability to turn this chapter that should be given into two sentences. Or maybe in two words. You know, Maggie goes back from work. How was your day that she wants a chapter? She wants to blow by blow what you did every half hour. And you say, fine. Is that all? Is that all you can say after a long, I haven't seen you all day. I've been with these kids all day. I love our kids, but they drive me nuts. But I love our kids. I want adult communication here. How was your day? So what happened? Nothing. <laughs> you know, anything unusual? Yep, sprayed the plants. Please laugh because I have to throw away something there with Sam. Sprayed the plants, you know. We have a nothing box. What was that? Men have a nothing box. We need to show all the men that video. That's a brilliant video. We have a nothing box. If you don't know what I'm talking about, we need to put it in the church chat. It's so funny. It really hits the nail on the head. So anyway, so men and women are two different planets. So from planet Mars, Elkanah says, I'm not I better to thee than ten sons. Now, let's hear from the women from planet Venus. What's wrong with that? With, with Mr. Macho, you know, saying, look, 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 did you not get everything when you got the whole package? Did, did you not get me? You know, when you got the whole, when you got me, didn't you get the whole package? Okay, women, let's hear some in, insight from you as to what's wrong with that response. They have no idea what was No idea. He was completely disconnected from her feelings. Bill Paul, do you want to say something? Yes, yeah, to defend the uh, melee. You know, humanly speaking, that's the assurance that he can give because he knew the problem. Right. Because he's shyness. Yeah. There is not one to feel the problem. If the man cannot be going there and be weeping, if you want him yeah, to yeah. don't have the crime, so yeah. you have no child. That's the humanly speaking, yeah. that's the assurance he can give. And the men have to be men. Yeah. Men have to stand up and they're not yeah. to jump and be crying. So, because to me, I'm not expecting the man to be crying with her. That no. man wants to give you the shirt. So he tries the best and God is one. But you see, men, 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 are, men are fixers. I want to fix this. Okay, let me go out there. I'll give you a few thousand euros. We'll fix this. Okay, men are hunters. We get the bow and arrow. Toom! Get the kill, okay? Women don't want to be fixed. That's hard for men, because men want to fix. When she starts weeping, okay, 
quiet woman, I want to fix you. <laughs> you know? We want to fix the woman, but the woman doesn't want to be fixed. This is why we're, I'm not criticizing men at all. I'm just saying we're two different planets. Okay? And, 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 and this is where Elkanah was insensitive to Hannah. She was, he, he was insensitive. What did Hannah need there and then? Let's hear from a woman now. A hug. Tears. Men don't cry. Men don't cry. Well, you know what? The, the Bible, there's a saying, when you laugh, the word laughs with you. When you weep, you weep alone. Well, that shouldn't be so. Weep with those that weep. Weep with them that weep. Okay, what else did she need? Empathy. Empathy. I can't fix this. I can't fix, I know I can't fix this. And she with tears will say, I know you can't fix it. But I care. He, she needs to know. His way as a man of fixing is just give her, a, here, here, here's, your, here's a credit card, buy as many clothes as you want. You know, here, what else do you need? Do you want a new car? I'll get you a new car. Oh, you, you want, what, what else do you need? You know, the clothes, the car, it's all superficial. She has deep needs in her heart. And, and, and men and women being completely different need to understand that. Okay? Okay, what else did she need? A cup of tea and a chat. A cup of tea and a chat. A cup of tea and a chat. All, all of that. Anybody else? Well, she needed him to pray with her and work with her and work with wow. her to seek God's help. There you go. That was really strongly missing from the narrative. I'd say Elkanah was a good husband that loved his wife, but he wasn't a godly man. He just wasn't. It's not there in the narrative. It's not there. Okay, It's not there. He was insensitive. I'm not going to criticize him. He was probably a great husband, but he was insensitive. Okay? Now, let me ask a question. Male or female, how often do we say insensitive things when we are trying to comfort people? How often do we say insensitive things when we're trying to comfort people? Now, um, I, I, I don't mean this. It's this, this a thought that comes to my mind, but it's a, it's a stereotypical one. Someone loses a child let's say it's a stillbirth, or let's say it's a miscarriage. Ah, you'll have another one, don't worry. Ooh. Somebody, but that is said. Or somebody lose a loved one. Ah, aren't they gone to heaven, aren't they? Sure, rejoice that they're gone to heaven. At least they're not gone to hell. Brethren, I've heard these things said. People can say the most insensitive things, and that's not just men, okay? If this is men or male or female. Men, men or women can say these things, okay? Now, I think you and I have been on both ends. Maybe we've said insensitive things at times to people who are hurting. Women can say insensitive things to men. What is the most important thing to men? What's the most important thing to men? What's most important to men? What are men created to do? Work. If women say anything to criticize the work of a man, it's, it, you don't do that. It's very insensitive. What should women always do? Support. Men, women were created by God to do, why, why was Eve created? 
to be a helpmeet, right? And if the wife is not being supportive of the husband, it, it, it just tears down the fiber of the home and it's demoralizing. Men just will drive them demented. So I'm not getting on Elkanah's case and saying, you know, men are failures, blah, blah, blah. I'm just saying, humans are failures. You with me here? And we, we get things wrong at times. Which, are you with me here? So we're just trying to take a look and be honest and say, look, Elkanah got this one wrong. Okay. Now, how did Hannah respond to this, verse 9 to 11? I'm going to read verse 9 to 11 and you tell me how she responded. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on, thy, on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will... Give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. How did Hannah respond? Hannah knows the right source. Amen. So she turned to the Lord. She turned to the Lord and keep going. Pray and make a vow. She made a vow. We can make vows flippantly because we're looking for something. I think we all have. But God takes vows seriously. Would you agree with that? Give me an example. Give me an example of a vow that we can make. Give me an example as a Christian, a vow that we can make as a Christian in church. I'll serve you all the days of my life. What? I'll serve. I'll serve the Lord all the days of my life. What we really mean is, as long as God blesses us, so long as our circumstances are good, as long as it suits us and doesn't put us out too much, we'll serve the Lord our God. That's what we really mean. <laughs> Okay, well, we're just being honest, right? Would you say that's honest? I'm just being honest. It's very, very hard to serve the Lord when our circumstances are going against us. Would you agree with that? And we're all like this. This is called the human condition, right? It takes a lot of character and digging deep to serve God when it's hard. Doesn't it? For all of us. None of us excluded, okay? Another promise we make to the Lord. Just very practical promises we make. Think about it. That was good, though. I appreciate that. Anybody else? Very practical. How about this faith promise? We, I have no idea. No idea if people keep their missions commitments. I have no idea who gives what. I don't want to know. But when we uh, take up our faith promise commitment, we know between us and God, we are making a promise. God, I'm going to give you this X amount per month, per week, per two weeks, whatever, towards missions. Isn't that a vow? Yeah? That's a promise between us and God. And so if we don't do it, we're breaking a promise to God. So it's really important we do what we say we're going to do, right? Now listen, folks. I'll be honest with you. We face financial struggles. Now, there's a lot of areas in which I, I struggle as a Christian, like everybody else. But one thing I've strongly learned... God deserves his money, and his money is first, and nothing goes first before God's money. And I found by experience, when you give God his money first, he blesses and takes care of the rest of the needs. Now those of you who have experienced that, can you say amen? amen. It is true. And when I find myself struggling financially, and I think, hey, where did this come from? I, I've developed a habit of giving more to God. 
I got an, an, an email from somebody recently and saying this missionary needs extra support. This, this thing has come up. I don't know him. I don't know the guy and he's part of my mission. And he, and he made a suggestion. You can give some, he says sometimes people give money from their own personal finances. And I, I felt God was saying, do that. I can't afford to do it right now, but that's okay. I don't need to worry about it. If God wants me to do it, can't God bless the rest of what I have? So I, gave, I made a promise before God to give X amount for two years, and let's see what God does from there. Okay? Let, let, let's see what God does from there. Brethren, we make promises. We need to learn to keep those promises. Because from promises kept, great things can happen. Do you understand what I'm saying? Brethren, so often... We trip up when we're coming up towards the finish line. I watched England play South Africa yesterday and I was shocked with how well England played because they of all the six nations, apart from Italy, they were the worst. They had this very easy run up all the way through. Fiji are decent, but they, they beat Fiji. We were sort of expecting that. But everybody was expecting South Africa to absolutely kill them. England led for 77 minutes out of an 80 minute game. I was shocked. But they let up at the finish line. They were right at the finish line. They needed to get their scrum right. They needed to get some things right. And right at the end, they gave South Africa an in and South Africa took it. And they did, they, South Africa were brilliant. And to be honest with you, if, if England had gone through to the final, it would have been a useless final because New Zealand would absolutely annihilate England. They'd be saying, bring them up. South Africa would be a much harder team. It'd be, it'd be a much better final, I'd say. But the, but the point is that, that um, they, they let up right at the end. Brethren, there's blessing for all of us, but you can't let up at the end. You've got to keep on going. God has blessing for us. He wants to pour out his blessing on us. He, he wants to, but you've got to go through difficulty and hardship. And I love sport because rugby's a great game because it's hard. They're running into each other, and England were going, they were amazing, but they were pushing in against the South Africans. It wouldn't let them away with anything. It was brilliant. But that's why we need to be as Christians. No devil, I'm not giving up ground. No devil, I'm not. You don't talk to the devil. Just get the point, okay? Just talk to God. No, Lord, I'm not going to give up ground. I'm not going to give up. By your grace, I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to keep on pushing through until I get to the other side. And that's what we have to do to get the blessing. Brethren, I want to tell you something. Hannah didn't have to make that vow, but she did. She didn't have to keep that vow. Yeah, I know. I know you say, of course she did. Well, she did. And the blessing that came at the end of that was amazing. Amazing. Hannah seemed to have a good relationship with the Lord. She seemed to be dedicated. Some things, some might say she, 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 she might have learned contentment. And just handled life as a single, well, not as a, as a single person, but, but as, a, as a mother without children. But she remained dissatisfied. Now let me ask you the question. Do you think Hannah should have said, I just need to be content? Do you think she should have said that? Do you think she should have learned contentment? Yes. Okay, Mary says yes. Dee says yes. Anybody else? I probably shouldn't, shouldn't name people. There's nothing wrong with asking for blessing from the Lord and seeking it. But I want to ask you, this is a really good question. Do you think Hannah should have said, look, I'm accepting my lot from the Lord. I'm going to accept contentment. I just need to learn. The Bible says in the New Testament, uh, I've learned to be content. Paul learned to be content as she was on the Old Testament. I get that. But do you think Hannah should have just been content? I'll accept this as from the Lord. Do you think she should have learned contentment? No. no. 
Grateful, was it? Should, grateful. Should be grateful, somebody else? Should she just be contented with her lot in life and accept it and say, Lord, thank you for a wonderful husband who loves me and I'll just put up with the other wife? Do you think she should have just learned to be content or found no. a way to be content? No, no, no. no. Okay, no. Okay, we have a divided house. She was seeking more blessing from the Lord. That's it! She wasn't content. Brethren, it's okay not to be content if you have something that you want God to do in your life that's big, that's powerful, and will bring all the glory back to him. Now, he knows our stinking hearts. If we're looking at it for ourselves, he might just say no. We just have to learn to accept it. But if we want to do it for the glory of God, and we look through with Hannah, and she did it for the glory of God, God blessed it. If Hannah had learned contentment and just said, look, I just have to accept us from the Lord being childless, Samuel would never have been born. Yes? Well, there's, a, there's another difference between contentment and acceptance. And she could be content in the state she is, but while she is content and in that state, yeah. she can still be seeking a blessing from the Lord. So I think we'll accept that one. <laughs> yeah, okay, we'll, we'll accept that answer. But I guess I was asking within, within the framework of, Contentment. Okay, I'm not going to ask. I just, I just accept it. I just have to accept my lot in life. Yes. I think Anna knows the God that she serves. Yes. He could do more. I, that's it. You've got to know God. You've got to meet with God, brethren. We're so satisfied with low living. We are in a faithless and perverse generation where we don't ask big things of God. We don't expect big things of God. We're not willing to do big things for God. And we're happy to live in our just Sunday morning Christianity. If I can use that phrase, you mind, you mind me putting it that way? Rather than saying, God, I want more than this. I want more to my life. I want my life to be marked than more than just I go to church and bring my family to church on a Sunday morning. Do you Does that make sense what I'm trying to say? She wanted more. She wanted greater things in her life. That's a wonderful thing. Yes. Africa, if, I know if it's, I know it's God that orchestrated it to happen like that. Yes. And that's why God is giving circumstances yes. to make that thing to be effective. Because maybe, I don't know, because it's God initially that uh, shot that made that to be childless. Yes. So and then it's God that God gives you for a purpose. Absolutely. And so if God wants to do something, God make a way. I'm not saying because Anna had been trying, trying, don't know the age yeah. that she was when God blessed her. I don't know when she had more kids, so she couldn't and be too. So it was God that just because everything that been whatever we did was God that is in it. Well, then let's not say no. What I just want to say. Let's build upon this then, okay? Let's build upon what you're saying. Do you think God made Hannah discontent about her circumstances? No. I think he did. I think he did. I think God was stirring her heart to say, I don't want this the way. God sometimes makes us discontent in our circumstances so that we'll seek him for change, the change that he wants to bring in our lives. Would you agree with discontent, that? Discontent, the word, it sounds like sin, but it wasn't. Yeah, sin. okay. It okay. sounds like sin. Well, what, what word do you want to use instead of discontent? There's nothing wrong with it, just sounds like sin. <laughs> okay. I don't mean it is. That's why people were saying, saying God no. God has put a desire yes. in her Yes. So keep asking. She knows that her God can do all things. And why she prayed, Desire answer. Yeah. Um, um, uh, the, the other wife will know that she's serving the true God. Right. We don't know the faith. We don't know whatever that means. We don't believe that she believes in God. But because of the the, the result of Hannah's prayer or her persistence, she will see that indeed there's a great God. Right. 
Right, so, so let's build upon that and just say, if she had just accepted things the way they were, and she would have said, I just learned to be content. I'm so spiritual now. I just, I just, I just trust God. I just learn to be content, and I, I don't need to ask Him. I just accept it. No, she would. She had to ache. She had to agonize. She said, "God, this can't stay this way." She was seeking the face of God, and God used that in her life for great things. Can you see this? Yeah. Uh, if a man desired, we often have a vision of desire, but and we know a man who desired that greatly here in this country, and it wasn't given to him. And he had to come out of the ministry, mm -hmm. and, uh, and that was a tragedy. But the desire was good, yeah. uh, and I think the desire is what that lady had, Hannah, yeah. Hannah had. So it was desiring a child for the glory of the Lord. Yeah. So not so much discontent, but it was such a strong, overpowering yeah. desire. Well, I guess I'm using the word discontent because I'm using the. I'm, I'm thinking in terms of just not accepting uh, where she was at and just saying, I, "I'm not okay with this. I'm not okay with this. I can't accept this." Because what about the strong brother that said, whatever be my God, thou hast taught me to say, is well with my soul. Yeah. Whatever be my God, thou yeah. hast taught me to say, yeah. is well with my soul. Yeah, I, I think that's a little bit different that. because, you know. God will do that for a purpose. That's why this thing happened like that. If God doesn't want to bring up somewhere for a purpose, for that reason, God can use anybody when God wants to use Anna. That's yeah. why God made them. God does it like God is in need. That's why God orchestrated it yeah. to be like that. Yeah. God is not made, because it's not only Anna that is a, uh, what's it called, that is childless in those yeah. times. So that God wants to use Anna for his purpose. Yeah, and, and he did. But on that, right, mm -hmm. he wanted to use Hannah, but he knew she wasn't going to let this go. She was like a dog after a bone. I will not let this go. God, you've got to do something here. You know? Yes. Definitely. So, You know, and I'm, I'm looking at that situation, I'm thinking, she wrestled with the Lord, and her wrestling with the Lord brought her to the point where I think, I'm willing to adopt. Yeah. And Hannah wrestled with the Lord, and her wrestling said, 
I need to have a child. But I guess the whole point of is is, is is when something is really bothering you, you've got to bring before the Lord and wrestle with the Lord until you get an answer. And I've really been thinking about this. The issue is not wrestling with the Lord. Because I've wrestled with the Lord about lots of things and end up frustrating at the end of it. The issue is not wrestling with the Lord. The, rest, the issue is wrestling with the Lord and going to his word and saying, okay, God, give me an answer. Because God has an answer. There's two sides of wrestling with the Lord. You've got to pray, and then you've got to hear from God. You, you understand with me? Are you, are you understanding me? And so she, she did both things. She wrestled with the Lord, and then she got an answer from his word, which was from the prophet, right? So I just want you to see the wrestling and the importance of wrestling, because that's faith, okay? We have to really wrap this up. Yes, this is great stuff. Go ahead. Was, uh, was, was, uh, she wanted or what the Lord wanted for her? Because God sometimes uses our dissatisfaction to bring forth something that he wants. Because if, if we just would say, oh yeah, I just say, oh, this is all fine. Oh, I'm happy, I'm happy, all is great. We could be living completely, faithlessly. Do you understand what I'm saying? If life is always great and you have what you want, question yourself if you're living by faith at all. But when you live by faith and you walk by faith, there's always problems along the way because God uses that to build us, to make us the men of God He wants us to be and the women of God He wants us to be. It's it's powerful, powerful. So now listen, we're we, we're out of time, but I've got, I want to quickly just um, finish this off. This is great, great stuff. So Hannah B made a promise, Lord, if you give me a son, he's yours. Now let me ask you the question: How does that apply to your labors, to your children, to your finances, to everything? If you say, Lord. If, 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 if you give me this job, I will bless you with it. I'll honor you with it. Do you say, Lord, if you give me children, I want to give them back to you. They're yours. It's, they're not for the educational system of this world. I'm not saying we can't use the educational system. That's not what I'm saying. They're not for the educational system of this world. They're for you, Lord. I want them to serve you. Is that your heart? Lord, if you give me children, if you bless my finances, I'm going to bless you. I think we already said things like that. But with everything, she dedicated everything she had to the Lord so that God could bless her with the richest of blessing. Now, let's finish this off really quickly. Verse 12 to 16, we read it already. Eli thought that Hannah was drunken when she silently prayed. Why? Because he wasn't used to people pouring out their hearts to the Lord. He was less like, I, I haven't seen this before. I, he, will, he wasn't used to people praying. <laughs> Do you understand? That shows where they're at in, 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 their, in, in, in their society, okay? Eli could be hard on Hannah, but easy on his children, and, and uh, we, that's another day's conversation. But what was coming um, out of all this, um, it's good, I'm almost finished, because I, I, I want to finish this today. What was coming out of, of her was so much more important than what was going into her, okay? What was, in other words, the heart, the supplication was crying out to God was so much more important, okay? The, the truth be known, perhaps nothing had gone into her all day. She was... She was mourning, she wasn't eating, she wasn't drinking. He th Eli thought she was drinking and getting drunk. She probably hadn't touched anything because what was coming out of her mouth was so much more important. So important to listen to people, isn't it? Eli judged her by standing back like this. Not right. Sometimes you just need to listen and say, okay, what's going on? What's going on? So the birth of Samuel came out of heartache. It came out of God working deeply in Hannah's life. But it came out of, of Hannah responding correctly to the working of God. And I think, I think there's some great lessons to learn for all of us, okay, about how to re respond to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much.